This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And good morning, uh, sous chef Frank Proctor, along for the ride here. And uh, we're going to have lots of fun this morning, Charlie. Good and I, morning, uh, Frank. Absolutely. And our listeners out there. Oh, by the way, if, if they'd like to talk to you, that's fine. And, you know. and yes, we're happy to talk gardening. Well, that's, that's for sure. Otherwise, Questions, it's suggestions. It's dancing for a whole hour for me, and I can't do that. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> okay. Phone numbers for those of you in Toronto 416. 416- Three six zero zero seven forty, and then anywhere else in the province, toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. And the first voice you shall hear when you call those numbers is our producer Christina, who uh, will give you a hearty welcome to the show and uh, put you on hold. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 we, well, we blather on yeah. about one thing and another. Do you know what we were talking about? Well, of... one of the biggest news stories, of course, the last couple of weeks has been about little Darwin. Darwin, little the little monkey, monkey. the Ikea oh. monkey. God, he was so cute. That coat. I know. You had a good point about well, that. I know. I just read something that said, you know, who would think that, that a monkey in the suburbs of Toronto would be so well-dressed? It's yeah, just, yeah, I mean, yeah. the style was incredible. And then, of course, at the very end of the little article, it said, oh, well, of course, he spent time in Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> That's where all the good fashion Exactly. Is, His fashion you know. sense obviously came but from staying Quebec. with the animal theme yes, for just dear. a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie and I have decided to tell little cat stories here. It's this time, so it's isn't it? Fun with felines <laughs> on the garden show. <laughs> i got to tell you what Dickens, our cat, has yes. been up to. Mm-hmm. Now, this has only started like the last, oh, I don't know, three months. Mm. But that little son of a gun, in our, our den, we both have our computers there, and uh, beside my computer, to my left, is the printer. Right. And he has learned to... When he stands on top of the computer and walks around, he hits the print button. Oh, on the on the on, keyboard on, on the uh, on the top of the thing, you know, where you, if you press for a copy or whatever, oh, okay, he yeah. presses, you know, a copy, and <laughs> then he stands and he runs to the back of the machine. And he looks down and he sees the thing go ching, and <laughs> the paper starts. And then he runs around to the front and sticks his head right in where the paper is coming out. But he knows what he's doing. That's hilarious. Oh, it's and he keeps doing. It. So you come home and there's all his paper yeah, all over the floor. Yeah, and he's, and he's been having a ball in there. That's funny, you know, because my cat has never learned how to run the printer, but he loves when the, when faxes oh, come in yeah, or no. the printer. But but he gets so into it. I mean, I've come home to faxes that are shredded. I mean, we're talking like <laughs> yeah. a thousand pieces of paper for one yeah. eight and a half by 11. It's like, oh my gosh, that was a fax. Because he gets so excited. he has to like, And his little feet go up inside the printer. I'm going, oh, you're going to lose your toes. Going to get chewed up by the printer. Well, yeah, no, he's just nuts. But but my my story is more more sort of seasonal because my kitty cat, Carter, loves Christmas because he loves the Christmas tree. He oh, For him, mm. this is like, 
a forest indoors. Of like, course. And it's Indoor so, plumbing. It's, it's perfect. Yeah. He just, to him, this is like, oh, he's like died and gone to heaven. He doesn't have to go outside <laughs> to be in the forest. Well, our Christmas tree has a tree skirt around the base of it, yeah. which is a really thick, quilted, velvet tree skirt. Right. And, of course, the lights are on the tree, and the lights are warm. Well, I tell you, from the instant the tree comes in the house, like I couldn't hardly had a chance to get the lights on and the skirt under and he's sitting there waiting and waiting all right the skirt's there and he just dives Ooh. right in and there he is that's his home oh, he's yeah. brought toys he's got all his, his little, little toys there. yeah he's all lined up <laughs> and he wants to be fed under the tree he sleeps under the tree he like rolls around under the tree he's not climbing it it's strictly just that's his hangout that's the new clubhouse I, I think we ought to start a fan club for Dickens and Carter <laughs> you know send your send your uh, kitty pictures to Charlie Dobbin in care of <laughs> AM 740, to which you are now tuned. That's right. Yeah. And oh, and you had a little homework, too. I do, you? but you know what? I'll get yeah. to my homework later, and also okay. I have a, a, a cute um, uh, animal, another animal story, which is about frogs, but we'll get to all that oh, later, because right. I think we have to do a break. We'll get, yeah, being a frog, we got to hop to it here, because mm. uh, <laughs> folks are waiting to talk to you, Charlie. This is the garden mm, show, by the way. All, yep. Charlie, the master gardener, and uh, Frank, uh, master of nothing, really, come to think of it. <laughs> you have a uh, master undergardener. Well, yes, that's true. Mm. 9.12 the time, and we'll be back in just a moment. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. It's my cardinal. I know. It's the only, you, only bird I can do. Imitator. You can I imitate anything know. almost. Well, almost. Uh, I'm not inventing this, though. No. It, no, we have a caller online, uh, Kyla, here in Toronto. I, I do believe this is the Kyla whose cat, Midnight, is taken for a walk. Is that right, Kyla? Yes, it is, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Morning, Kyla. There you are. Midnight wishes, chickens, and all the other felines are very merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Thanks. Okay, you got a gardening question for us this morning. I do. Um, Charlie, he loves he loves eating eating baby's breath. Is that okay? Um, he he won't he won't touch cat grass, <laughs> but he lo- he loves the baby's breath. And I've been told I, I hear mixed mixed reports. Some people say that the baby's breath is the same. Um, to, to cats uh, as cat grass that helps their digestion. Other people say, no, no, don't let them eat that. Watch, I'll, 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 um, I'll be quiet and hang up and turn the radio well, off. Well, um, just before you on cats and baby's breath. Before you go, Kyla, where do you get the baby's breath? Do you buy like the cut flower? Yeah, well, when I when I buy roses, because he likes he likes. I buy him roses regularly. He, uh, he, he likes roses. There you go. <laughs> There he, sticks, he, he, he sticks his head right up. He smells and smells and smells the roses. It's the baby's breath. All right. That's good. That's a really good visual. I like that. But kind of takes takes the cat out at midnight for a walk. A, a at little midnight, leash, probably. Right? And, and yeah. walk around and uh, people, I guess, do they stop and talk to you about uh, your cat? Oh, oh I guess Kyla's gone. Okay. Uh, uh, but Kyla's yeah, waiting. For the answer. For the answer. Okay. So, um... Okay, so gypsophila is baby's breath. Um, that's often when you buy a bouquet of roses, which is where I, you know, I, I'm getting it, right? Kyla buys roses for midnight. And uh, when you buy a bouquet of roses, there's often a little bit of fern or a little bit of white, tiny white flowers as part of the bouquet. And that's yeah. the baby's breath. Honestly, uh, Kyla, I wouldn't be at all concerned about the, the cat chewing on some of these things. My cat never read the book on what's poisonous and what's not poisonous, and my cat happily chews on just about anything that's available, including things that the book says are 
quite poisonous. Yeah, yeah. And I tell him not to, and he just waits till I turn my yeah. head, and he's back chewing on the azalea or chewing on the peace lily or something. He loves hibiscus. That's a real favorite for my cat. Roses are always a favorite. They're they're sweet, eh? They have a nice flavor. We like we yeah, sure. know, think of roses. We bake with them and stuff. So that's that's probably what's going on. And the baby's breath. He's never going to eat enough of it to to hurt himself. That's the thing, right? Well, that's the good news. That's okay. yeah. I mean, it's too. That's going to be. It's going to get caught in his throat. So he's never going to eat much of it. He's going to go get a drink pretty quick to wash yeah. it down. <laughs> Unlike roses, they can chew on for a while because there's a good amount of moisture inside. So, um, But there, are, there is really good information out there uh, in terms of what to avoid. Sometimes we do worry about small children and pets chewing on anything that might yeah. be considered, you know, toxic, poisonous. Uh, so there, there's some great websites, and I know I've given them in the past. I just don't have them handy right now, uh, but I'm happy to, to announce them again later next week. Just the idea of, you know, know what, what to avoid. Um, I Like I say, I don't think cats are stupid. I think they're pretty smart. They, they aren't going to ever eat so much that's going to kill them. What do you do with a cat that loves plastic? You know, plastic bags, that's what Dickens does, too. He just gnaws on the plastic. See, that I would take away. And same well, yeah, with elastic it. bands, right? Like, oh, you don't yeah. want that kind of stuff going into their stomachs because then it Absolutely. can cause blockages, yeah. right? That does, It won't get digested. Yeah. So, yeah, there's some things that you just, re- like, you know, I give them, my crazy cat, all kinds of pieces of paper to, ch- to chew on and pom well, we try our best, you know, as soon as you yeah. come back from the grocery store, get the bags away yeah. because he's right there he likes just ready to on. chew it on it. Yeah. Maybe he needs, like, a chew toy. Like, you should look for some oh. of the little puppies. Chew toys, you know, the soft rubbery things. That's a good idea, too. May, you know, because they're often telling you something, and I think you sort yeah. of have to work with it. But yeah, I'd avoid plastic. And my cat oh, loves yeah. rubber bands, but I always take them away from him. And it's like, no, you're not chewing on yeah. that. Yeah, because <laughs> you try and get a rubber band. Out of a cat's mouth. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm thinking worse, you know. uh... (laughs) No, no, we we don't do that. (laughs) No, we don't do that. Okay. All righty. 918, let's get to our next caller here. Enos on the line from Scarborough. Good morning, and welcome to the show. Good morning. Morning. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, when was the right time to cut down the mandevilla? And so, diplodenia. Yeah, so you've got, same. yeah, exactly. You've got them in your house, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> the right time, like the, the best time for regrowth and filling, for the plant to fill in again and look great next spring and summer when you go back outside, the best time to cut it down is mid to late February. In February. Yeah, but if you're finding it's defoliating or it's looking not particularly good right now, they're or going crazy, they're, they're tentacles. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. They tend to send out really long shoots when you bring them in because yeah. they're looking for light, right? They were so they had so much light outside yeah. that now they're saying, "Where did it go?" And they're <laughs> shooting. It's like a little octopus with you know arms going everywhere. But well, one is still flowering. Nice. So you know what? Don't be. Don't hesitate. Get your little pruners out if the plant is getting out of control. You know. Just looking like a you know dog's breakfast. So I can cut them down. Cut it back. Don't worry about it. But do a real good, firm, all-round, balanced pruning in February, mm-hmm. with the intention that that new growth will not be trimmed off again right. prior to going outside. Right. Okay. Can I just tell you a little story. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I have a lot of clover because I love clover in the lawn. Mm-hmm. It's almost green. Me too. And would you believe it? This summer, when it was flowering, I had real honeybees. Yeah. And usually I don't see them at all. So somebody in your neighborhood's got has got some yeah. hives. Yeah. Neat. I, I could hear them. You know. <laughs> you yeah, what? You killed them? No. Yeah. Okay then. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye. Well, it's bye bye. No, it's true. I mean, honey bees love clover, well, yeah. and um, in my neighborhood there have been hives, but in the last few years, not as many honey bees. 
Uh, and that's got to do with the whole hive collapse thing, I'm sure. Like, I haven't gone around and knocked on the doors to find out what really right. happened at the people's... But there has been great fear lately, uh, I mean, uh, on of the loss of, uh, of bees. Of yeah. bees, yeah. But, and I see them early in the spring, because I have a lot of very early blooming bulbs. So little crocuses and stuff come yep. up. So that's what the bee... Like, early in the spring, when the sun comes out and the bees are foraging, they're looking for pollen, and there's nothing out. And, you know, clover certainly isn't blooming by that point. And I usually have hordes of honeybees in my front yard around my bulbs, my clover. Which is a good thing. It's a great thing. To pollinate. Yeah. But not in the last couple of years. It's uh, yeah. dropped dramatically. Well, the goddess of the garden is on the air here at AM740. I'm Frank Proctor, the sous chef. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got the garden show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM740. And uh, Frank Proctor here. I, I, I forgot to do one thing that I had to had it. I promised Anne Marie, who is a, a receptionist here mm. at the station, uh, during weekdays. Of course, she's a man on the board there. Mm-hmm. And uh, man on the board? Did you she's say manning, manning? No, she the can't board. man the board. the board. She's womaning. She's the staffing board. the board. She's staffing the board. Oh, I'm she's on the board. Again. Would you stop? I hate that <laughs> manning something. Uh, well, why do we it's man just things? An it's oh, a stupid expression. Sakes. You want to get into a real <laughs> verbal discourse here? It drives me nuts. Man hours. What are you going to change it? Manning okay, the board. You know, there, manning there are the manholes out there in the street. No, there aren't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee. Can't win. Can't win. Uh, let me go back to uh, what I was trying to say. Uh, Anne Maria, receptionist. Uh, her mom, yes. Marion, yes. listens to the show faithfully. Excellent. And I, I got to say hi you, to Marion. She's happy to hear that her daughter isn't manning the board. Oh. <laughs> Do you believe what I have to work with here? Oh. Please, folks. But please. Oh. Wait, All I want right. to yeah. share this one. All I right. love this. This All is right. really good because this is one of those what's old is what's old is new again. Yes. Which is kind of like gardening, right? You know, we... We've got, done away with the two four Ds and the diazonons, and we're going back to some of the techniques and that work. yeah, things that yeah. work exactly that always worked and that got you know sort of pushed to the sidelines as we rushed into spraying everything. Now we're not spraying so much. We're going you know worrying about fixing our soil and you know getting good compost and all that important stuff. So this is just one of those old stories. Okay, so this is um, an old. There was an old Russian way of keeping milk from going sour by putting a frog in the bucket. All right. This has led to the finding of new antibiotic substances, scientists report from um, United Press International says. So organic chemist in Moscow, State University, and his colleagues have identified a number of potential new antibiotics compounds in the skin of the Russian brown frog. In lab tests, they said some of the substances performed as well against Salmonella and Staphylococcus bacteria as some prescription antibiotic medicines. So that was an old thing. As you put the frog in the bucket of milk, the milk would never go sour. or Not never, but it wouldn't go sour, I guess, initially for a week or two. And it all goes back to antibiotic compounds in the skin of that frog. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Astonishing. Once again, she's bit blown odd, me away. <laughs> bit odd to kind of think about, but it works. Yeah. Well, One well, of those things that works, right? No, that, that, he always learns something from Charlie, yes. whether it's gardening or frogs. It's my uh, job. Yes. <laughs> now, let me see who's on the line. Kim in Scarborough. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Save me, Kim. Save me. <laughs> Good morning. Hi. Hi, Kim. Good morning. Yeah, Hi. I can hardly hear you. Uh, go ahead. Ask your question. Okay. I don't have a question. I have a comment. Okay. Uh, Charlie, uh, I have three Phalaenopsis orchids, 
And uh, the other day, I was watering them. Mm-hmm. And uh, lo and behold, there from the main flower stem was another stem with three buds. flower buds yeah. on them. So I'm telling people, if you have a Phalaenopsis orchid mm-hmm. and it's finished flowering, mm-hmm. don't necessarily cut it because you may get another stem from the original. You're absolutely right. I've definitely seen that happen. And and you're right. We typically think, oh, flowers are done, take off the flower stem. But no, you're right. Little surprises come off those main stems. Hey, that's great. That's good to hear. And by the way, I would suggest you tell the girl, the young lady, to turn the volume up. Okay. You can very, very, very hear it very little. Isn't that weird? Don't you mean me? us or her? Okay. Thank you. Okay. Have a good day. Merry All right. Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you very much for the call. Gee, uh, I don't know what the problem might be. Uh, we've got all the buttons set at the right level, I think. Well, I guess we've got to talk <clears throat> louder. I guess. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, hello. <laughs> Hi, Richard. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Good morning. I enjoy your show so much. Morning. You. You're calling from New York, I understand. Yes, just outside of uh, Virginia. Are you familiar where Virginia, New York is? No. Oh, uh, South of Buffalo? Just, oh, yeah, yeah, I was just going to say. South of Buffalo? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Actually, I'm in Leona, just two miles south of Virginia. Uh-huh. Oh, nice. And the question is, Charlie, is about asters. We mm-hmm. just had our planted our first asters this summer, mm-hmm. spring, mm-hmm. and they come up and did bloom finally in the late fall or... Mm-hmm. And now what do I have to special to do with asters for winter? Uh, these are annual plants. If they're left outside, they're going to die. In the, oh, it is in, annual. Yes, it is. Uh, oh. oh, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Sorry. I, I, let me take that back. There's annual asters and perennial asters. Okay. If yours bloomed late in the season and they were, were they purple, blue? Yes, it was a bluish. Bluish. Okay. Blue. No, you're Not right. Blue. So my mistake. Those are sound like perennial asters. So what do you do? Um... Two things. One is you can just leave them entirely alone. And next spring, when you're out doing your initial cleanup in the garden and the sun is shining and thing, birds are starting to sing, cut the, the, what's left of the aster right down to ground level. Okay. Uh, it will be a little slow to emerge in the spring. And that's one of the reasons I like to leave it above ground over the winter. Because if you cut it down in the fall, you may forget where it is in the spring. Uh-huh. Right? I'm but glad you, we didn't do that then. But you can. I mean, if, if you're sure, one of those people of that really likes to tidy up the garden, you can cut it down in the fall. But do mark it somehow so that you know where it is. Because it is not one of the first plants to emerge. Okay. It's a little bit behind the others. Yeah, but lovely plant. Late. Billowing and pretty colors. And butterflies love it. And all kinds of nice pollinators. Uh, insects will also be very attracted to asters. So, what kind of family does that belong to? Um... Asteraceae. Okay. Wow. That's Say the that family. twice. <laughs> well, that is great. Good sun. Obviously, they need at least a half day, if not more than a half day of sun. Uh, fertile but well drained soil, mm-hmm. and you're pretty much good to go. They, they really don't take a lot else other than that. Great. And, I guess we got it in a great. Great place. Yeah, and they're nice in combination with other late blooming, like Black Eyed Susan, something like that. They look amazing with something like that. Uh, yeah, yes. they're nice, real nice plants. Good Great. for you. Thanks so much for your call. Well, you're welcome, and thank you for your help. And uh, your your show is terrific. And uh, happy holidays. Hey, we, thank we you. appreciate your patronage. We appreciate your call. <laughs> As Bartles and James would say, you know, <laughs> we appreciate your support. Yes, um, we do. We appreciate all support. Just, um, oh, I'll repeat the phone numbers here Mm -hmm. one more time, okay? Uh, 416-360-0740 for Toronto area listeners. And then the long-distance line, which is toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. 
740-4740. Busy time of year. You know, I know. People racing around trying to get the last minute shopping done and all that sort of thing. Uh, Today's you, the final day of Hanukkah. Yes. Um, and days. my. Just, wow, that went fast. Just didn't it? so you know, my 23 year old daughter is going to make an amazing uh, grandmother, Bubby, uh, f- at some point <laughs> in the long future. She Remember, I told you I was going home to a, to a, a home cooked. Yes. Hanukkah dinner. And she it was up all night. Oh, so good. Well, she uh, made this chicken soup, which was like, mmm, just, mwah, just yeah. really flavorful and wonderful. Now, what is her name? Oh, name? my daughter's name is Sydney. Just Sydney. like Australia. Sydney, uh-huh. like Australia. Like my granddaughter. Okay. There you go. Like, like your grand. Yeah, no, it became a real trendy name, actually, that Sydney name. Well, you know, with a, with a mother with a name like Charlie, I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't give her one of those fluffy Tiffany-type soft yeah. names. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It had to be one of those gender-neutral <laughs> names. So she got, she got Sydney. Um, but uh, yeah, so she made latkes that were amazing. She made kugel, which is a noodle thing, yeah, yeah. and yeah, it was all really, really so. Good. Now this is the last day of Hanukkah. Today's the last day, and, and uh, any special things that you eat on this last day, or no, you can. You know what, Hanukkah is just one of those holidays that is. It's a happy holiday, yeah. unlike so many Jewish holidays, which aren't quite solemn. And yeah, yeah no, it's all about it's a festival of light. So yeah. it's it's really just the lighting of the candles is all we do. We don't do anything else around Hanukkah, uh, and of course, food. It's all about food and candles for us. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that maybe you're putting on a pound or two. Oh, thank you for noticing. <laughs> oh, your hands are oh, cold. Just, ooh. <laughs> ooh. Just, Get those I, hands I, off. I just of reached me. over to, to hold her hand because I thought she was going to hit me. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here, you know what? Let me just report on yeah. some... Remember last week I had some homework. Uh, Rochelle called from Toronto, and she had received some seeds from Crocosmia. Crocosmia yes. is a beautiful uh, sort of late summer blooming perennial, mm-hmm. uh, which, which blooms f- w- um, red, yeah. uh, tall sort of sprays of flowers, green, very almost grassy or lily-type leaves, but it does grow from a bulb. So she wondered about these seeds and when to plant them. I went to what's called the Garden Web Forum, and that's people, you know, weigh in from all over the world on how to do things. And from Pennsylvania, the story was, sow the large seeds, I guess meaning that if there's any small seeds in that grouping mm-hmm. she's got, they're probably not going to grow. So select the large ones as soon as they are ripe, so that would be obviously in late summer, in a soil-based potting mix. Um, cultivars sometimes do self-sow themselves, mm-hmm. and so that, you know, you plant a, plant crocosmium before you know it, the, the clump is getting bigger, partially from seeds uh, propagating. Growing the seedlings apart uh, preserve their true cultivar strain, so the, that's where it gets a bit tricky. You've got your cultivars and your hybrids, and they don't ever necessarily grow true from seed, so don't get too like, upset if these are not good-looking plants that grow from seed. In, in Ontario, the word was... Out of curiosity, I have planted last year's seeds in the spring. No special cold treatment required. So, Rochelle, what that means is you can hold on to those seeds you've got right now till the spring. And at that point, just sow them in a good potting mix. Um, yeah. Uh, they, this, in, the, in this case, this person in Ontario sowed them into a regular potting soil. They all actually germinated and grew uh, about six inches tall uh, a month after sowing and then replanted out into the garden as separate little plants very easy to grow uh, and don't 
no guarantees on what they're going to look like when they bloom. Uh, in England, they harvest the seeds when the pods turn brown and the tops of them start to crack open. Uh, they plant them up in February, obviously, in England, whereas we'd wait till March or April mm-hmm. in individual pots since the roots are very tender. Uh, all crocosmia do their growing in the winter, so they can put up new plants in the spring. Be careful when repotting or moving them as you may snap off new growth. So that's when you're doing the transplanting, just recognize that they break very easily. So transplant very carefully or use the old peat pots, you know, the jiffy pellets or jiffy pots. So you don't even have to handle the seedlings. You can actually just plant them right with their little, you know, pocket of soil and their little planting um, pot straight into the ground. Excellent dissertation. There you, there you go. Everything you've ever wanted to know about propagation of crocosmia. Well, I say. Let's <laughs> progress to a call from Lucy in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Good morning, Lucy. Welcome to The Garden Show. Hello. Good morning. Morning. Love your show. Thanks. I have a dilemma now with my calancho. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought some last spring, mm-hmm. and um, I didn't know very much about growing them. But anyway, throughout the summer, they were mostly in the shade, and they didn't really bloom. Mm-hmm. Um, but they grew into a kind of vine-like um, plant. <laughs> I didn't know how to support. I mean, I tried to peg them up with some, you know, mm. little poles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I realized I probably should have, should have cut it back sooner mm-hmm. to get it blooming. Um, so I chanced cutting them back about halfway, got some rooting solution, and um, now it's not working. I tried them in the water, yeah, in the rooting they solution, rotted. put them in soil, and, and it's not working. They're, the succulent aspect of the leaves is now, you know, kind of wilting. Yeah, they just turn black and turn to mush. But so you've what got, do I do? Can I save it at all? Well, if you've got the original plant, don't you still? that you? I do, but okay. um, I'm hoping I can, there's a way to save the, the tops. part that I propagated or uh, whatever. Well, so just remember that calancho, as you recognize, is a succulent. And yeah. by virtue of being a succulent, they need as much sun as you can possibly give them. So but that's not what uh, I heard. I was told to keep them in partial sun, not full sun. Well, it, if it was an outdoor situation, I agree with you. Partial is plenty. Uh-huh. Whereas indoors, through glass, yeah. uh, full, the sunniest window you've got is the right place to have that plant. Okay. Uh, but when you're out, assuming that you know these plants survive the winter and you're back outside with them next spring and summer, you're right. A uh, half day sun is perfect, mm-hmm. and they will often bloom for very like through the entire summer in a half sun, half shade situation. That elongated growth you're talking about, that almost viney growth that you got, was an indication that they were in insufficient light. So they were stretching. We call that stretching towards the light. They, the the um, distance between the nodes or where the leaves come from gets elongated elongated when the plants are in insufficient light. So a mm-hmm. little more l- l- brighter spot next summer for when they go outside. Right. For now, inside, the brightest spot you've got, yeah. the pieces that you cut off the top that are you're having trouble rooting, the trick with those is you do not want to try and root them in water. They will rot. There's I no noticed, question. Yeah. So um, f- number one, your tip cuttings that you're going to try and root should be more no more than four or five inches long. Okay. So don't try and do something that's you know eight or ten inches long, just a, a short tip, four to five inches long. Remember, the roots are going to come from where the leaves are currently uh, attached, which is what is called a node. There's a little bump on the stem there. Mm. So it's that, those are the points, those little bumps that need to be immersed either into a... Like what I would use is perlite or vermiculite. Oh. It's, it's a medium that will hold moisture but won't be pure soggy, wet. Yeah. yeah, soggy. And, <clears throat> sorry, is it, do I just... 
does that go in water and then the plant goes in the water or it goes directly in the soil after coating it with that? Well, no, what you would do is you'll uh, cut, the, your, your little cuttings will, of course, have a, nodes towards the bottom of the cut end. Mm-hmm. You've got that rooting hormone you bought, so you'll dip your cut ends of your cuttings into the rooting hormone. Mm-hmm. Then from there, you'll, what I would just use is something like, you know, um, when you get Chinese food and they, they give you those, uh, like a plastic uh, tray that's uh-huh. got the noodles or whatever in it. Save a couple of those. Fill up that plastic box with either vermiculite or perlite to the top. Uh-huh. Water it. Make sure it's good and, and wet. Uh-huh. Not, not floating, but super soggy. Take that cutting that's now been dipped into the cut, the rooting hormone and stick it straight into and immerse that little node uh-huh. In under the perlite or the vermiculite, and just it'll stand up in that in that box with the the perlite or vermiculite holding it up. Again, in that sunny location, whether it's a window ledge or you know a, a sunny spot, and just leave them there. Don't touch them. Turn them maybe every week or so in the window, 180 degrees. Yeah. It w- at this time of year, plants are growing slowly. It could take a number of weeks before roots grow. You mm-hmm. will have to water and keep that perlite or vermiculite moist. Uh-huh. But uh, but bottom line is roots will eventually grow. What oh, about using a grow light? Well, there is hope. Um, but I just wondered, going back to that vine-like thing, is there any point in uh, growing a calancho in that way and maybe, I don't know, either coiling it around or supporting it upwards just for a different kind of uh, green effect? You could. Yeah, exactly. I mean, usually people will grow calancho for the flowers because they have very long-lasting flowers and they're beautiful colors. Yeah, I know. Will they... At the end of that long vine thing, will flowers grow if then it goes into partial sun in the summer? Exactly, exactly. Because uh-huh. that's the trick, is that you want to encourage flowers and it needs a certain amount of light in order to uh, produce flowers. Okay, well, I really appreciate your okay. help with this. My pleasure. Thank you and Merry Christmas. And you too. Thanks, and Lucy. Merry Christmas to you, Lucy. Thank you very much for uh, joining in on the Garden Show here from AM740, uh, otherwise known as Zoomer Radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're going to take a little bit of a break here and come back and talk to Mike, get the latest buzz on honeybees. No <laughs> kidding. Okay, stay tuned for that and more here on Charlie Dobbins Garden Show from AM740. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And I'm Frank Proctor, your sous chef of the garden, along uh, for a lot of fun here. Yeah. Having a fun time here. We do. You have fun, uh, you and I. You, you were doing some really uh, heavy-duty homework there. Well, uh, I'm just like a typing machine today. Sponsors, yeah. What was going on here? What? Well, okay, so remember, first caller was Kyla. Yes. Asking about whether her kitty cat, Midnight, would be uh, in trouble chewing on baby's breath. Right. Okay, yeah. so here's a good website. This is actually the Ontario Veterinary Medical Association website. So it's ovma.org. Go to that website. Under that website, you'll find a list of poisonous plants for pet owners. Uh, Big, long preamble. And then it's the following plants may be poisonous to your pet. And it's it's got an alphabetical list here of common names mostly. Notice uh, right here, there's azalea in the first little note there. And I know azaleas are supposed to be poisonous. My cat loves them. Um, (laughs) In the bees, 
We see baby's breath, right. which was Kyla's concern. So baby's breath may be poisonous to your pet, according to this list. So to be considered maybe when you're buying roses, try and avoid roses that have baby's breath as part of the bouquet or separate the baby's breath and give it to the neighbor and, you know, yeah. don't keep it in the house. Because honestly, there are a few things on this list I wouldn't have in my house because I don't trust my cat. One is oleander. Oleander is very poisonous. And I would not trust to have that in the house because my cat, you know, he's smart, but maybe yeah, yeah. he's not that smart. <laughs> um, but, you know, meanwhile, yeah. I look at, we, you know, Fig is here, um, you know, Ficus. My cat chews it all the time. <laughs> you know, there's just a whole bunch of things that my cat does chew on here. But, and Pothos. The key word here is may, maybe. Peace Lily, yep. But like I say, I know oleander is very poisonous. Every part of it is poisonous. So that's why I would not keep, I wouldn't have that in the house if I had a cat that was like mine. (laughs) Not all cats are like mine. Some are much, you know, more laid back. Thank the Lord for that, too. Mm, Yes, exactly. Uh, (laughs) 943, better get to Mike here. I'm I'm just uh, so anxious to hear about uh, a comment about honeybees that he's got for you. Charlie, Mm -hmm. hello there, Mike. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Yes, good morning to, to, uh, to the both of you. First time caller here. Oh, great. And uh, I was, uh, we listen to your show as often as, as we can. Thank that you. very informative. You were mentioning about honeybees just uh, 10, 15 minutes mm-hmm. ago. And I just thought I'd mention to you that we have in the front of our house uh, three big patches of heather mm-hmm. that actually bloom in the snow. Nice. Oh, wow. And in the spring, the first warm day of spring, mm-hmm. the heather is covered with honeybees. Great. Anywhere from maybe 50 to 75. Not, and, and do you find that like every spring, just like every, every, clock? Every or? spring. Nice. So obviously the colonies in your area have not seen a decline by the sounds of it. Well, especially in front of our house. Are <laughs> you near... We planted some Russian sage. Yeah. And that they love, oh, people. they love it, yeah. Porovskia is what the proper name of Russian sage. That's a late bloomer, and that brings them out like crazy. I, I'm the same way. I had a lot of honeybees on my Russian sage this summer. But do you, are you near anyway, some uh, woodlands? I just thought I'd pass it on that there are honeybees around. I often yeah. uh, hope we could find the hive. <laughs> well, that's what I'm wondering, Mike. Are you in a real uh, urban area, or are you close to some woodlands? Uh, it, it, it's urban, but uh, we are very close to a uh, very large conservation area. Right. Ah. So it's likely these are wild honeybees that are coming to you. Yeah. Oh, good to hear. Um, yeah. Really good to hear. Thanks so much. Thank you. I love I love good stories. Thank and you. First time caller too. <laughs> yeah. Gotta love get my first little bell. Callers, I used to have yeah. a bell that ring for the yeah. first time caller. Like it's in my drawer in my uh, bring it in the prep room. You could pretend you're you're Santa's helper. Yes. Next week. Yes. Well, I right? am because we'll yeah. Of course. Well, yeah, you are. You told me about all the presents <laughs> oh, that you hauled Lord. to Toronto for the that, grand babies. That's a whole other bit. I'm telling you, <laughs> Jack and Barry on the line. Oh, a money plant. I'd love this. Wait a minute. <laughs> Hello, Jack. Welcome. <laughs> to the show. <laughs> Another uh, first-time caller, Frank, get that bell out. Oh, that's, let's go. Yeah, Ding. I gotta go get that bell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, the money tree, I guess it's called, is it? Yes, it, well, it depends. Uh, which one are we talking about? Is it uh, in your, inside your house? Yeah, it's inside the house. Yeah, yeah. money money plant, money tree, either one, yep. <laughs> okay, um, actually belongs to my son, and I'm kind of looking after it. Oh, there's some. That looked pretty scrawny, and, and I'm just wondering uh, when I should transplant it and uh, what type of soil and if I need any base for that or is it actually in soil or is it in water no it's in soil it is okay so what's commonly referred to as a money plant 
it's like a lucky, lucky plant, right? It's that idea of uh, it's supposed to bring good fortune, and usually they're they're very prevalent around uh, Chinese New Year. So it is a dracaena. So dracaena is a pretty easygoing plant. It can withstand fairly low light conditions, and it can also withstand pretty bright conditions. So depending on yeah, so it's if, if it's in a bright spot, that's all good. We would not transplant it unless roots are growing out of the bottom of the pot. Okay. Okay, so assuming it's in a pot with drainage holes, uh, so you'd have to pick it up and sort of look underneath. Oh, yeah, it's, totally, it's got drainage uh, Good. And if you're not seeing any roots emerging from those drainage holes, then I would not worry about transplanting. And frankly, this is not the best time of year to transplant anyway. It's okay. always better to transplant when a plant is actively growing. And plants actively grow in the spring and summer. Right now, all plants are kind of hunkering down. We're getting up to the, sh- we're coming up to the shortest day of the year. So plants are very much, generally speaking, in a very low period of growth. Be very careful about not overwatering it. That's probably the easiest way to kill that plant now is to have it always moist. Okay. Let it really dry between waterings. Uh-huh. Whether it's sticking your finger in the soil or feeling the weight of the pot. Do not water it until it's virtually bone dry and then water it thoroughly so that water drains through those drainage holes. Uh, Do not let it sit in water for any period of time. Give it 10 minutes or so to absorb some of that excess water out of the the tray below and then pour it out if there's still water in the tray. Great. Okay. Can that be transferred in the summertime outdoors? It can. I'd go into a low-light situation outdoors. I would also start fertilizing that plant once a month starting in March, just with a general all-purpose fertilizer. Okay, great. Okay. Uh, just on another note, uh, being from Barry, take a look out the window there. What's uh, what snow conditions up there? No snow yet. No yeah. snow yet. Wow. We've had a few, uh, few, uh, few little uh, attempts of... <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, and it's great. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, a few, you do, eh? <laughs> Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you and, and th- all of your listeners, and thank you for your uh, response. Thanks, oh, well, thanks very much, Thanks for calling Jack. in, Jack. Yeah. And Merry Christmas to you and yours, too. Uh, always nice this time of year. I, it, I don't know. There's just some special something in the air, isn't there really? Isn't there? Yep. I know. It is. Yeah, it's like it's that kind of friendly thing going on. Well, that's why, Gardeners you know, are the friendliest people in the well, world. I've told you this so many times. You keep beating me over the head telling me that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Linda in Newcastle, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Um, I have a maple tree on my front lawn. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a maple tree like here, and t- like it until I moved out here. Mm-hmm. It, we keep it shaped like a mushroom. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves it. It has a lot of small, dense branches. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering if it's too late to trim it because when the leaves are on it, it's very difficult mm-hmm. to shape it the way you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's a good question. Um, maple trees, I mean, we always think of maple trees as having a lot of sap pouring out of them, particularly in the spring, right? Mm-hmm. Maple syrup is made yeah. from the maples when all the sap runs. So we typically avoid doing a lot of trimming of maples in the spring because not that it'll kill the plant, it's just very messy. They drip all over the place if you trim them in the spring. A healthy maple can withstand the pruning. It's just messy. So if I were you uh, on a dry day, you know, not when it's moist or, you know, snowing or raining, but on a dry day, which could still happen anytime in the next, you know, few weeks, you can go out and prune now 
Yes. Make sure your, your pruners are very sharp. Mm-hmm. You're making very clean cuts, no ragged, jagged cuts left behind. Yes. Uh, if we get some sunny, warm weather above zero, you will even now see some dripping of sap from the cut ends on a maple. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right. It's, way, it's far, far easier to do our trimming when there's no leaves on the plant and really be able to get in there and recognize which, where there's you know rubbing of branches going on and the directions that the branches are going and to really stand back and do a proper pruning job when there are no leaves. So now is a great time, and if you can't get to it now, then I would do, you know, sort of October, November next year after it defoliates if if you can't do it before then. Okay. All righty. Thank you so much for your help. You're very welcome. I love the show. Thank you. Merry Christmas to all. Thanks for your call. Okay. Bless your heart for calling. Um, Linda in Newcastle there. Uh, Lines, we got a couple of lines free here. 416-360-0740. And uh, basically, that's for Toronto area listeners. Then, anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. You had something else going on here. I always have something going on here. I know that. You laugh when I walk in with my my big duffel bag full of stuff, but I always have stuff going on. I think you're here for stay for the weekend. Exactly. You never know. (laughs) I I might just, you know, take over the studio. It's my show. Um, All right. I just want to remind everybody that... If you are busy and you miss a show, because sometimes that happens, you know, life gets in the way of radio and you just can't always be sitting by the radio for half an hour on Saturday mornings. This show can be heard at your convenience through the magical system of podcasting. So, of course, remember, you don't need an iPod to listen to a podcast. There's no pod required. All you need is a computer. So any computer can listen. You can listen to a podcast. There's two ways to listen to the show. One is through iTunes. So, of course, you just go to iTunes.com. You must bring the iTunes software onto your computer. It takes like 20 seconds and it's free. Once you've got the iTunes software, then you can just search The Garden Show and there they all are, which is very easy. On our website. Or on our website, of course, and that's am740.ca. And again, go to podcasts and there we are. All by date and uh, pick up. uh, Or if you miss something, you know, you say, oh, I think I got that information, but not completely. So don't hesitate to go back and and re-listen if if you can. Okay. We appreciate it. We've often said, and I forgot to say this morning, (laughs) a call early, call often, Mm. one question per call. That's okay. So we heard from Enos earlier, and uh, she's calling back, and we'll be back to your call, Enos, in just a moment after these words on The Garden Show from AM740. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM740. I said this before. It's just like deja vu. Uh, <laughs> deja vu all over again. Yeah. Enos, good morning and welcome to the show. <laughs> morning. Hi, Hello? Enos. Yeah, hi, Enos. Yeah, I'm phoning you for a second time today. That's we good. saw that. Welcome yeah. back. Uh, I wanted to ask about orchids. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I've had them for many, many years. I think one plant for about 10 years. Mm. Last time I tra- and changed the soil, I cut some of the roots down, which I never did before. Mm-hmm. And they never did well after that. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden I have this insect, this uh, scale. Oh. Can you get rid of the scale? You can, um, but not easily. I know that. <laughs> um, what I would use, I'm just trying to remember what the brand name is on it now. Is it neem oil? Well, neem oil is worth a try. It, it's either, yes, neem oil mixed with water. Mm-hmm. sprayed very thoroughly all 360 degrees of the plant. 
Yeah, take because a, they're all underneath, like underneath the edge of the leaf. Well, that's the thing. That's your challenge. See, the yeah. only way you're going to kill that scale is with an oil-based spray, and you're going to have to oh, coat. Oil-based. Well, that's what neem oil is. It's an oil-based spray. That, that's right, yeah. And the other, the other one that's out there is called, I believe it's still under the trade name of End All, E-N-D. A-L-L. And again, that's a canola oil-based spray. Uh-huh. You must coat the insect with the spray in order to be effective. Yeah. Take the plant out of the sunlight while you're letting that oil sit on the plant for an hour or so. Uh-huh. And then rinse the plant off with clean water. Wait five or six days and do it all over again. Yeah. Or toss the plant because scale is hard to get rid of. Well. That's what I noticed. That it, it seems to spread from one to the other. That's exactly right. Yeah. If they're close together. And I got it because a friend of mine had to plant and she said, oh, it's not doing well. And she gave it to me. Mm. And then I discovered it. Had yeah. It brought in. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. That's one of the things we forget to do. When somebody gives us a plant, we forget to give it an isolation period. We tend to just put it right out with the right. others. Right. And it's always a good idea. Hold them in their own little like isolation chamber to make sure they're not bringing in pests mm-hmm. and diseases. Mm-hmm. Well, good luck with that, Enos. Maybe well, thank you. maybe you need a new orchid for Christmas. Put that on your Christmas Merry list. Christmas to both maybe of you Santa will bring you a new one. Thank <laughs> okay. you. Thanks. Take care and have a wonderful weekend. Exactly. Uh, we've got time for a call here from uh, Dale. Do we? All yes, right. Toronto. I Hello, so. Dale. Hello there. Morning. Hi. Good morning. Um, I have a question about a bonsai plant. Mm-hmm. Um, I've probably had it 10 years. Mm-hmm. When it was given to me, you know, it was in the little pot mm-hmm. and kind of had a little, few little branches. Mm-hmm. Over the years, I've probably moved it up twice to mm-hmm. a bigger pot mm-hmm. because it was getting, you know, to, the roots were coming out the top mm-hmm. and it was getting wobbly. Yeah. Well, now it's got, I'm embarrassed to say, three long, leggy, big branches Aww. and nothing else. And I'm tr- I obviously have not pruned it right. well. And <laughs> I don't want to go to a bigger pot. Uh-huh. So I'm just not sure what I can do with it. Do you know what kind of plant it is? No. And this is my other problem because I've looked on the Internet and there's so many different bonsai. Yeah. There are. There are. And, but you've had it for 10 years and you keep it inside your house by the oh, sounds yeah. of it. Yep. Okay. Because some bonsais are actually like little junipers or little pine trees. Even, I've even seen little birch trees, you know, oh, no, real no, no, no. outdoor like plants. Oh, Yeah. So sometimes as well, bonsais are, are more tropical, you know, some of the figs and that sort of thing. Okay. So you no longer have it in a proper bonsai container. You have it in a regular pot, it no, sounds No, no. Like. It's in a bonsai oh, container. Oh, it is. Like they're Just, in these shallow dishes yeah, and they yeah. have a... A uh, hole in the bottom. Yeah, yeah. And when I water it, I put it in the sink and immerse it. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Okay. And then let it drain through. Right. And I don't water it that well. Once a week. Okay. So that, I mean, that's the trick with bonsai. What we do with bonsai is we take plants that want to be a certain shape and size and we force them to be something else. We force them to have small root systems. We force them to have small above ground systems that balance off those roots. And we often prune them to interesting forms and shapes to, to kind of send messages. Mm -hmm. And uh, the trick for you right now is... (laughs) If you can wait, what I would do is I try and wait till February. In February, I would take the whole thing apart. Like I'd get spread newspaper on the dining room table, take the plant out of the pot, get some sharp pruners. I would do a bunch of pruning to the roots so that you're going to fit everything back into the pot it's in now. Mm -hmm. I would scrub the pot before I replant into it with a good sharp brush and make sure there's no salt and residue left in there. Little piece of screen goes over that hole, that Mm -hmm. drainage hole. A little bit of soil. You've pruned those roots right back. Plant goes in, good firm planting job with some fresh soil, 
Obviously, moisture will often put moss on top to kind of hold everything together. And now I would balance off that root pruning with some top pruning. And don't be afraid to, to really prune it back. But you'll get some good ideas because there's some great videos on YouTube on how to prune for bonsais and how to do certain things. So do a little bit of research that way. Get a little bit of information just so your pruning is going to be sending the growth in the directions you want it to go after you've done that initial pruning. But don't be afraid to, to kind of balance it all off. Root pruning and top pruning to go back into the same pot. Okay, well, most of the leaves, well, all the leaves are kind of in the top yes, third. Yes, yes. So can I cut half of that off? You can. Um, preferably, you're only going to cut as much as one-third of the plant back at any one time, and okay. you're going to make sure that there's always some green leaves left on it yeah. in order to keep it alive. Okay. Okay. I'll try that. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Dale. You. Good luck with that. That's a great question, though. Boy, I had a lot of great questions, yeah. and thank you to one and all, and uh, to all... Uh, maybe some folks are heading away for the holidays, so a very maybe. Merry Christmas. And, uh, yep. But remember, you can always you. catch up with us next week on uh, via the web, live, or via podcast later. Exactly. Good point, Charlie. Thanks. And I see that uh, Dave Redinger and Alan Gelman are uh, just now strapping themselves. They've got seat belts on I their, know, uh, I've on noticed their chairs. That. They have special it's such chairs. such a rock and show. <laughs> and they wear helmets, too, right? Because <laughs> yeah, they right. go so fast. Well, right? it's incredible. <laughs> and immediately following their show is yeah. the health show from 11 through to 12. And, and then you follow. And I follow that with the the diner. There you go. Well, thanks, Frank. Thank you, Charlie. As usual, you've been a wonderful sous chef. I always appreciate your help. (laughs) Thanks, Christina. She's done a great job lining up the callers and being there for us. Thanks to the great callers. Everybody, we'll see you all next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.